All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us, Tim. How are you, my friend? From across the country. So uh, we usually we usually tape Monday morning. It's like a routine. We're around 8 a.m. We, we get down to business. Tim's like, I can't do it. We, we'll have to go 11 o'clock your time. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Tim is on a little vacation. Where... Where in the world is Tim Warsberger? I'm in San Francisco, California right now. Sunny and beautiful. Um, much warmer than northern Michigan. And I was up and at them. I'm keeping Eastern time just because it's easier for work and stuff. But my cousin who I'm staying with is very much not. So like, I couldn't record at 6.30 or 5.30 this morning because he was still sleeping. But I'm here now. Very kind of you. Yeah. Dude, the, uh, the flight out here. So it's a quick... You know, 45 minute flight down to Chicago, quick layover. And then it's like whatever, four or five hour flight out to San Francisco. And I, I, I always book through Expedia or Travelocity, like those last minute cheap things that it's a good deal, but you don't get like, you're the last one to board. You don't get any luggage. You don't get like, you can't change your seat, you, whatever. So I got stuck with the middle seat for the five hour flight. And I was like, uh, this kind of sucks, but whatever. And, and I was one of the last ones to sit down in my seat. And let me ask you this: three three people across in a, in a row, right? There's a window, middle, and aisle. How do how do the armrests work? How sh- what's the etiquette there? I that's been a a question throughout the ages. I don't know if I'm in the middle. I usually grab both, but I'm never usually in the middle because I like to be on the exit row and I like to plan a little ahead. But gosh, I w- I would think you would get both. That's that's my thinking. And I actually was arguing with my buddies on Twitter over the weekend because I'm like, the middle should have both. The window gets the view and the aisle gets the the right one and a little extra leg room. And everyone sort of balances out. But everyone, other people on Twitter were saying, no, everyone gets the armrest, armrest to their right. It doesn't matter. Or it's like some people say it doesn't matter where you sit. It's all about like who asserts their dominance, who sits down first and just claims their whatever armrest they want. It's, it's it's the polarizing topic. Well, with you sitting down last, it puts you at a distinct disadvantage because 
I don't know why we're talking about this, but if I'm on the window, I usually just take the window armrest. That that's just because you can lean into the window and you just yeah. relax. If you're in the aisle, you can't lean into the aisle. So I tend to maybe take both of them. But I'm a very generous um, armrest guy. So I'll, unless I'm in the middle, I, I need to take both because I have broad shoulders. <laughs> but um, I, I tend to, you know, give up the armrest if I if I have the aisle or the the window. Why? What happened with you? You came. You came in last. Look yeah, you, you didn't get any of them. No, I got I got the one to the right the whole flight, but I was really annoyed at the guy on the left who was taking the armrest because usually when I've been in the middle, it's I get both of them, and I feel like people just tend to understand that. But but maybe in those situations, I was stealing it from someone else who thought that I was a jerk. So I don't know. They call that man spreading, <laughs> isn't that what yes. they call it? That's no, that's more um, your legs. You man spread down there. <laughs> down there. You're funny. Well, you made it out. How is it in San Francisco, Tim? Is it just everything you wanted it to be and more? It's beautiful. Yeah, I had been before. So we got to kind of skip some of the, the touristy sites like Alcatraz and whatnot. But we he's a big bike rider. So we rode bikes all day yesterday, about 20 miles and did um, right across the bridge out to Sausalito, took the ferry back and all around downtown. It was really nice. The weather is really nice. And we were wearing shorts yesterday, which is pretty cool. You're not missing much here. It snowed all day yesterday and it was raining. I heard. <laughs> we did a snowman and they keep tipping over and stuff and the rain just crushed them all. So it's just typical, typical Northern Michigan fall weather where it snows and it rains and it's sunny for a half an hour and it just rinse, repeat the whole day. But it was, I'm glad you're out there. I'm glad I'm here because I hate traveling. I really do. Uh, you'll never catch me excited to go on a trip anywhere in the whole world i'm like this is gonna suck i just want to be home <laughs> i'm just such a loser when it comes to that sort of thing anyways lots of hockey stuff has happened tim throughout the we, we've been kind of doing little shows where we haven't been talking about actual hockey business but lots happened since we, since we got down to nitty-gritty of it my my one of my good friends uh, alex ovechkin he just continues to score and he just pre- passed brett hall for fourth all time on the all-time scoring list, didn't he, Tim? Isn't that exciting for him? It's very exciting, and in the typical fashion from Capitals fans, you got a couple dozen tweets about that the other night. Well, I did notice they won six to one last night. And guess who didn't score? Who? Ovechkin. So what? for anyone who's like, oh, he's going to score, he's going to, he's already starting to slow down. <laughs> he's already starting to show his age. What does he have now? Twelve. Yeah, I think so. It's a yeah. long way from thirty. He's still got 18 more goals to go. There's not many games left. So dry uh, way ahead of him now too. He's got 16, I think, you know, so. it's amazing. And I like to dig into the stats a little bit. And I know we're kind of going off topic, off tangent, what we're going to talk about. The Edmonton Oilers are amazing. Their offense. They really are like, they are consistently putting up four, or five goals a game and they played the St. Louis blues this past week. And I'm I'm kidding you not. These two teams are going to be in the Western conference finals. If they keep playing the way they're playing and mind you playoff hockey is a little different. It was an incredible game. It was a back and forth game. Nobody was giving an inch. It was a great game. Edmonton won it with like 30 seconds left. Yamamoto scored the game winner, but it was a very exciting game. I was glued to my ESPN plus app. It was unbelievable. Edmonton came out ahead, but um, boy, it was exciting hockey. And then I dug into the numbers. I'm like, well, how is Edmonton do, you know, scoring that many goals? They are 
as it stands today, going to set our modern day record for power play efficiency. It's, it's incredible what they do on the power play. They, they're not stagnant. They get the puck, they get up the ice, they get set up, and then they're just on you. They, they constantly are forcing, the, forcing you to make a mistake. They're making passes, they're shooting the puck, they're breaking down the penalty kill. They're clipping right now at just under 42% of the power play. That's incredible. The average, like a good power play is 25%. If you're clipping along at 42% of the power play, and it's not like this is a small sample size, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season, and you're above 40%. That's incredible. I don't know who had the highest percentage of all time over 82 games, but it has to be close to 40%. Like that, if Edmonton continues this success rate on the power play, they're going to be tough to beat because they're calling penalties, baby. The refs are calling them like it's going on a style. And if you can score four out of 10, that like you're going to win every hockey game. It's just you're you can't be stopped. And we mentioned it a few shows ago. Teams, it's like, what do you do with Connor McDavid? Do you hook him and hold him and give him a power play? And you know they're going to blow blow it up on the power play, or do you just let him go around you? So Edmonton is showing like they're they're a juggernaut when it comes offensively. They really are exciting to watch. And then St. Louis is right behind him on the power play. It's just really interesting when you look at the the stats. All of the good teams in the league have really strong power plays. All the terrible teams are just taking tons of penalties and they can't kill penalties. And it's just like the leading PIMS leader in the league is Arizona, followed by Seattle, followed by Vancouver. Those are the three, arguably three of the worst teams in the NHL. So I don't know, just an exciting game between Edmonton and St. Louis. I know it wasn't on the agenda, but it's just, it it got me geared up for the playoffs already because like, man, if we have this to look forward to for seven games out of these two teams, it's going to be fun playoffs because it was a fun game to watch those two teams go back and forth. But anyways, moving on the team that has been having fun is the Nashville Predators Tim. Why don't you, why don't you tell you? And now I don't want to say this lightly because I sincerely mean this. You're a Nashville insider and you know, what's going on. The heartbeat. It's a country heartbeat in Nashville. What's going on in uh in rock Vegas, as they like to call Nashville. They're looking pretty good. They're sitting third in their division. And, I, you know, we talked about last week the team that we tend to gloss over or not you know, touch on as much. And, and Nashville is totally one that we don't really pay much attention to. And I was reminded of that by a listener. Shout out to Kyle. Tell me about this guy. I'm going to butcher the last name, but Tanner Janiot. Um, and it seems like your kind of guy, John. He was undrafted in juniors, undrafted in the NHL. And now he's the second player in franchise history, second fastest player to score 10 goals. Uh, Radulov beat him probably 10, 12 years ago, but it's pretty cool to see just how much they're, they're, they're getting production wise from their guys. Like Duchenne's having a career year, Yossi and Granlin, they have 16 points each and Saros is playing very well in net. So this is a team that I think people aren't paying enough attention to. Um, they're, they're defensively responsible. They're putting up goals. This is a good team down the stretch to keep an eye on. Yes, this has been a perpetually underperforming team for the last, I want to say, five years. Nashville's always been a team that people have thought, well, they're a good team. You know, the, the potential's there. This is their year. You know, they're going to take the next step. They've made the Western Conference Finals. I think that was six, seven years ago. And then they've just been a disappointment. They go out and they make a big splash in free agency, whether it's bringing in Matt Duchesne, whether it's, you know, signing Johansson, who knows other guys they bring in, but they've just been perpetually underperforming. They had Shea Weber. They got rid of him. They got P.K. Subban. Finally, this year, it seems like they don't have a sexy team. They don't have like a, a lights out team. Philip Forsberg's been out, but they seem to be playing pretty, pretty good. Yarl's their goalie has been playing well. Like you mentioned, sorry, Saros. 
And they're just playing really simple hockey. They're going out there and mind you, like we said, day in and day out, when it comes to the standings, they do get the benefit of playing some not tough competition in the Arizona's the Chicago's the Dallas's of the world. So we'll see how this shakes out during a whole season, but they get, they got a good team. They're not going to outscore you. They're not going to, you know, light the world on fire when it comes to talent, but they work hard. They, they play the game the right way and they have a pretty good defense. When you look at their back end, Roman Yossi is top six defenseman in the whole NHL. And he does it night in and night out. They, they just re-signed Matias Ekholm, who they were dangling at the trade deadline last year. They, they re-upped him and they have a couple of, you know, random guys who they're just plugging and playing and they're playing pretty well. So I like Nashville. Do I think they're going to be a player at the end of the season? Absolutely not, but it's a good story. I think in the West, when you look at it, there's really only four teams who are going to be there at the end. And Vegas right now is playing themselves out of that list. But when you look at the West, it's like, gosh, who is going to be you know, a factor when it comes to the Western Conference final? You got to look at Edmonton. You got to look at Calgary. You got to look at Colorado, maybe. They're starting to play a little bit better. They just waxed. Who do they wax the other night? Seven and one, seventy-two. San Jose, I think. But they're they're not looking great. They're fifth in their division right now. They are, but they're starting to show signs of improvement. The St. Louis Blues are there. I don't think Nashville will maintain this. Mm-hmm. I don't think Minnesota will maintain their pace. Winnipeg, if they can get Wheeler and Shifley up to speed, which they have just been non-existent so far in Winnipeg's ride. And Kyle Connors has taken that team over. And some of the, why we are, we talked about that a few episodes ago, but you know, it, it's a good story for Nashville. I, I don't see them being a player, like I said, but it's, it's fun. You know, it, it's nice when Nashville is playing well, they have the longest tenure GM of all time. I think of all of sports, it's amazing how long Poye has been, been with Nashville. I think he's been there since their inception as a team. So it's it's a good story. I don't think it'll last. I don't know. Any other thing? They're just not an exciting team. What do, what do you want me to talk about? You know, they don't really turn the needle for me a little bit. Move the needle. Anything else you want to talk about Nashville? I, I have nothing to say about Nashville. I don't know why. You say that, but you just talked about them for like three straight minutes. Because um, we have to. It's on the agenda, but I don't, I'm not <laughs> interested in Nashville at all. At all. Who do you, who do you like? The, who's more likely to win a playoff series, them or Minnesota? Well, Minnesota, without a doubt, I don't think that's even a even a question. I think just when you look at the rosters, top to bottom, Minnesota, you at least have – and I know Nashville has Grandlin and Duchesne and Philip Forsberg. I don't know what's wrong with them, but if he comes back, he's dangerous. They have Johansson, who has struggled the last few years, but he's to kind of coming into his own this year a little bit. But when you just look at the rosters, when you look at the depth, Minnesota at least is a dangerous team. They took Vegas to the brink last year. They they have a good back end. They have a solid first and second line. Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, they're really dangerous line. And you look at, we obviously talk about the Felino, Erickson, Eck. And when Greenway's back, that line, they're a very solid physical line that does damage. And they, they've proven it in the playoffs. So Minnesota's definitely more dangerous. I, I see them being, you know, more dangerous. They're winning around in the playoffs. I don't think Nashville will win around in the playoffs at all. But it, it's... It's something to talk about. People get upset we don't talk about every single team. So this is for all the Nashville fans out there. Let's check this box. We'll never talk about it again the whole the whole season. I'm guessing. I don't know why we would. They're perpetually like third, fourth place. They give you a good battle. Maybe they'll make the playoffs as a seven or eight seed, but they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything, you know. And and I'm more of a 
an end game type of guy. And that's the way I see things like always. It's like, how was this going to end up? If I'm the Nashville Predators GM, am I going to win the Stanley Cup this year? No. What's the point then? What are we doing here? Am I, my, my fantasy football team, I lost this week because everybody decided to get hurt. Everybody. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to make the playoffs. I'm already planning for next year. I got to pick up a guy. We have a dynasty league, so I'm going to just package all my good players. I'm going to totally ruin the league. I'm going to pick up a guy who I can use in my dynasty league for next year. That's what my game plan is. So if I'm a GM, I would be a terrible NHL GM, I think, because I would just scuttle every other team. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to make the playoffs. Going for that lottery pick then. Bingo, bango, bongo. And I would be fired in a year because you got to win games. You got to make it look like you're trying. No, you don't. You can be the Arizona Coyotes and be 15 games in and you have one win and you're an absolute abomination to the NHL and not even fun to watch. All you do is you go out and you just get pancaked the first two periods and you just get penalties the next 20 minutes. I I hate Liam O'Brien. I don't know why. Do you know who this guy is? Yeah. Well, why don't you like him? He is a piece of garbage. I don't know what team he was on. Um, he stuck his tongue out at me when I was in San Jose and there's this picture of him sticking his tongue out at me i wanted to end his life and and i couldn't do it because we were winning i don't know what the situation was but i couldn't fight him and i'm like this guy is just he's just a terrible person and we had we had some interaction in st john's out at an establishment and i don't want to get into that but i just don't like him so he's he's leading the nhl in fights right now and it's just it's the doors beat off of him every fight and he just goes out he thinks he's the man he's just he rubs me the wrong way that's all it is when you started when you asked me i just i was picturing liam McHugh, the analyst and i was like no. oh god why doesn't john like this guy he's got beef with the tsn or whatever no 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 no. liam McHugh's a great man liam o'brien has no business and who am i to say who has any business being in the nhl i was a plug for 10 years but this guy he's bounced around he's he tries to be a tough guy he's not that tough he couldn't cut it when there was a bunch of heavyweights in the league now he shows up in arizona he's trying to be mr tough he he never wins a fight when he fights someone who's a legitimate tough guy. I don't know why we're talking about. Let's move on. What what else is next? Nashville Predators check. Austin Matthews, Toronto Maple Leafs, my favorite subject. What's going on with Austin Matthews? Why is he not succeeded, Tim? And so far this season, he's got all the talent around him. We know he came into the the season. He had the wrist injury. He had surgery. He maybe was shaking the rust off. Why does he only have six goals this this year so far? What's what's the deal with Austin Matthews? So, I, I don't know. The, the success of the team is, is first and foremost. Toronto's playing really well. I think they lost, but they won like six in a row at one point, obviously. And the advanced analytics guys will tell you that he actually is having a better season than last year when you look at like the WAR and offensive zone That's production. That's why analytics is complete BS a lot of the right. time. Oh, he's having a great season, but he's got less points. That makes sense. But, but, he, like you said, he's got six goals. He's on pace for 37 goals, which is still... Very, very good. But, John, is that uh, – 37 goals, is that good enough for Austin Matthews? No. 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 Not even close. Why – that's not even a question. Is that good for Austin Matthews? He is the Rocket Richard winner. He should win that award every single year. Look who he's playing with. He's got guys – it's their only job is to get him the puck and make sure he scores goals. That is their sole job in life is to make sure you get Austin Matthews to puck. Willie Nylander, Mitch Marner, I don't care who's on his line, whenever they cross that blue line into the offensive zone, they look for Austin Matthews. Every power play is geared towards getting Austin Matthews to puck, is it not? It is. So if you're that guy, 
If you're the Ovechkin, if you're the, I don't know why we still keep saying Stamkos. He hasn't really scored many goals in the last few years, but if you're that guy who's the trigger man, you got to be scoring 45, 50 goals a year, my friend. If you're making that kind of dobre me, if you're looking in your piggy bank and you're like, goodness gracious, I'm making 12 million bucks this year almost. Maybe me, and he does do it. So let's let's back off him a little bit. Maybe the wrist is still aggravating him. That's what I think is going on. You got to start scoring. You got to start putting up some points. I don't put too much stock in him only having six goals in 13 games this year. I think he will pick it up. But it, it, it does raise a, a tiny red flag that maybe maybe he isn't going to score that many goals this year, but he, he has already proven it. He is a superior goal scorer. He, he will get back to what he does, but it, it is a little alarming that he only has six goals right now for 13 games. So I don't know, not a huge red flag, like I said, but if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'd be like, maybe like we should maybe look at this a little bit. And I, I don't want to, you talk about old Toronto. They have so many good wins, this and that. Do they, do they have that many good wins? They squeak by Buffalo five, four. Their only good win. I really see they they beat Philly and they beat Calgary. That's it. They get waxed by the LA Kings. They get by a Boston team who is slowly, but surely proving themselves not to be that good of a hockey team. And it's just kind of a ho-hum season for Toronto. I don't know. I, I still don't believe in Toronto just yet. I just don't. And yes, I don't know. Maybe I just don't like perpetually hate Toronto. That's what it is. Because now they look at their wins like, okay, they did beat Tampa Bay. That's a good win. You know, they did get by a couple of good teams. So good for them. But I just think, I don't know. Like I said with Edmonton, they'll get their wins in the regular season, but we'll see. Prove it. Prove to me that you're a good team in the playoffs. I need that. I need that from Toronto. I did pick them to make the Eastern Conference finals, Tim, or the Stanley Cup. Do you remember that when we did our bold predictions of the season? I do. One of them is on shaky grounds. I will say that, but it's a long season and Ovi's got to show me he can get to 30 goals. He's still, he's still a long way away from 30, my friend. He didn't score last game. Did you hear that? I did. I think he's hit a wall. I think he's done. Well, when your team puts up six goals, I was expecting to see Ovechkin got four of them. If, he, if he's <laughs> the guy, you got to start putting up goals, but apparently they weren't going in for him that night. All right, moving on. What are we talking about next, Tim? Speaking of underperforming superstars, Nathan McKinnon. So I was looking at the stats, and Colorado's plugging along at fifth in their division. They're not really looking too good, and they're a full four points, five points behind the fourth place St. Louis Blues. So this is not what they want to see from them. They're six, five, and one, so just above NHL 500. But Nathan McKinnon, he's he's out right now for three weeks um, with a lower body injury. But in the eight games that he played, He's got only one goal, nine assists, so he's still got 10 points, and he's still on pace for eighty high 80s points. But again, not really what you expect from Nathan McKinnon. You need him to find the back of a net, which is imagine is a big reason why they aren't winning as many games. Now, they are, interestingly enough, 2-0 two, two and oh since he's been out. Um, but really, it kind of strange to see him not finding the back of the net so often early this year. Why? Why do you think? What's the reason, Tim? You, you know anything about the situation? He's only played eight games, so... <clears throat> What, what's going on with Nathan? What's going on with his head? Well, as you know, I'm a Colorado insider. You're so not a Colorado him. insider. If you were an insider, I would have said it, Tim. Stop lying to the fans. Now we're just going to seem silly when we say that. Ugh. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the answer is I don't know. I, I haven't watched those games. Um, I don't know. I, maybe maybe the lower body injury is something that was nagging or, with him. And he's finally getting it addressed. But I can imagine the amount of spinach and kale this guy's eating, trying to figure out how to score more goals. 
Well, what I do know is that if Colorado has any hope, any hope at all of progressing through the playoffs and winning a Stanley Cup, which they should do, they should have already won a Stanley Cup. They should have won one last year and the year before. That's what this team was built to do. They were built to win a Stanley Cup. They weren't built to contend. They weren't built to go out there, you know, maybe for next year. As Pierre Dorian likes to say, the rebuild's done. They have all the pieces in place. They have the excellent salary cap situation with Joe Sackick has put together. They have an unbelievable first line with Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. They have some good tertiary pieces with Kadri and Burakovsky and Nishushkin and all these other good players. They have good young defensemen in Makar and Taves and Murray and Gerard and a big physical third pairing in Jack Johnson and Eric Johnson. They got the goalie they wanted. They went out and got Darcy Kemper. They didn't let re-sign Grubauer. They need to win, and they need to win now. And Nathan McKinnon needs to realize that it's everybody likes to say, Oh, it's, it's great. And he's got the best contract in hockey. His salary cap is so great. It helps out this team. He only makes, what does he make Tim? It's like uh, $6.3 million. That's all well and good. And he can put up the stats. He can go out and, you know, get the awards and he can have that label as the most underpaid athlete in the NHL right now. He's just under such a great contract. Him and Pasternak. He needs to win a Stanley cup. That's what he needs to do. The West is wide open. This is their season. There was no really other challengers in the West other than Edmonton at this point. Calgary, potentially, if they keep it up. Vegas has shown cracks. They, they are already prepping for next year. Maybe with Jack Eichel, they don't expect him to come back. This is Colorado's year. Last year was Colorado's year. The year prior was Colorado's year. I don't care what he does in the regular season. I don't care if he misses the whole season like uh, – Kucherov did. He needs to come into the playoffs and he needs to win a stinking Stanley Cup. That's the only end game for Colorado right now, in my opinion. So he can he can sit out. He he can get <clears throat> ten points this whole season where he's sitting at right now. He doesn't need to come back. Uh, it's all well and good when he puts up ninety nine points, ninety seven points, ninety three points, sixty five and forty eight games. That's great. That looks great on paper. Good for Nathan McKinnon. He's the he's the heartbeat of this team. I know Landeskog has the C, but when McKinnon goes, this team goes. And he needs to pick it up. He needs to do it in the playoffs, and they need to win a Stanley Cup. That's it. And I don't, I don't care what's wrong with them, but hey, at the end of the day, like we talked about, what are we doing this for? We're doing it to win the Stanley Cup. And these guys so far have underperformed in the playoffs, and I, I just want to see it. I want to see it come whenever the playoffs start. I don't know. With COVID, it's also janked up, but it, they, they need to produce. So it doesn't bother me. He could be out three, four, five weeks. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't care about the lack of production right now. Much like Austin Matthews, you guys got to do it in the playoffs. You got to take your team, throw them on your back, and win. That's what you are. That's what you get when you sign that big deal. That's what, that's what happens to you when you're in a constant argument of who the best player in the world is, whether it's McKinnon, whether it's Crosby, whether it's Dreinsidel, whether it's McDavid, whether it's Panarin, if you're in that tier, you have to compete. You have to win Stanley Cups. And right now, none of those guys that I mentioned other than Crosby has won a Stanley Cup. So let's go, fellas, like pick it up. So I know it, it doesn't concern me. Colorado will be there at the end of the day. The Pacific's wide open. It's not a strong division. They will figure it out. They'll either eke into the playoffs or they'll get a two or three seed. I don't see them getting a first seed. Like they, unless they really go on fire the last 60 games and win like 45 of the last 60. I don't see that happening, but it doesn't, it doesn't concern me. McKinnon not putting up points. Austin Matthews not scoring goals. We know they're great players. What concerns me is the playoffs. Can they do it once they, once they get to where it counts? And so far the answer is a resounding no. They're a constant disappointment. Am I wrong? Or I, I just, 
don't know. Maybe I'm a harsh critic, Tim. That's that's just how I look at things. I'm like, do it in the playoffs, man. Do it in the playoffs. No, it's a fair point. I think it's good that we are, you're not jumping to conclusions to trying to get like I don't know people riled up about performances in October and November. It's about one thing. You're right. So I think we just kind of wait and see how how it unfolds. But it is fun to debate. I, I will say that it is fun to speculate. Like, why is Austin Matthews not scoring any goals? Because, like you said, the analytics guys they they broke it down. His his war is is better than it's ever been. You know, he, he's getting the chances. So it's only a matter of time before he starts putting in the puck. I, I do blame it on the wrist when you're when you're shooting, when you're taking one timers, when you're trying to get the shot off. The wrist is a huge factor in that. It wouldn't be surprising to me if it's either weak or he's just not confident enough just to let it rip tater chip. So we'll see. We'll see how this plays out, but he won't, he won't stay quiet for long. Like he's going to break out. He's going to have a hat trick. He's going to have four goals and it's just going to be next thing. You know, he's going to have stinking 25 goals in 20 games. So he's going to go on a tear, pick him up in your fantasy team. Cause Toronto, they are trending in the right direction. They are playing better hockey than they did the first six, seven, eight games of the season. When everyone was panicking like, Oh no, what is Toronto going to do? I was so happy, but moving on. I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Let me, during the show, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fire up my DoorDash app, Tim. Do you know why? Because it's so easy to use. I can literally use it in five minutes and just bing, bang, boom. I know what I want. I've used it a hundred times. So they, they have my preferences there. I look for my Chinese takeout menu. It's already there because I've used it before. Go to DoorDash, enter promo code GlovesDD. If you're in Canada, GlovesDD US, or if you're in the USA, and save yourself some money, save yourself some time, save yourself some effort, save yourself all this stuff because DoorDash is great. You got all this stuff to worry about in your day. You got to worry about in me personally, my kids, my job, my wife, everything. DoorDash makes it easy. I don't have to worry about food. I don't have to prepare it. It just comes to my door. If we're having a rough day at home, I'm going, honey, I'll take care of it. I got dinner, bing, bang, DoorDash is at my door. And I have a scary driveway, Tim. You've seen it. It's very scary. And they'll brave the driveway, bring it right up to my door. I have signs saying, do not enter. Trespassers will be murdered. Well, murdered is crossed out because I'm allowed to shoot people on my property. And they still bring it up. Good for them. And I give them a nice tip because DoorDash is the best. They're very professional. Use our promo code. You get 25% off delivery free on the first time. So even if you have DoorDash, you can still use our promo code. And it still works. So use it gives us a little bump in our pocketbook, gives you a little bump in your stomach. It's a fantastic deal. All right, Tim, what do you, what do, what's going on? What are, you, what are you thinking about? I have a question. Um, there are four teams right now that don't have captains. Those are the Coyotes, the Sabres, the Rangers, and the Flames. It makes sense to me why the, the, the first two, the Coyotes and Sabres, don't have captains. I imagine it's not like a big year for them. They probably guys don't even really want to be captain if they even have guys worthy of being captain. So like I, I can wrap my head around that. But why wouldn't contending teams who are playing really well, who have those type A personalities like the Flames and the Rangers, why wouldn't they name a captain? That doesn't really make sense to me. Well, I, I will give the Rangers a pass because they tried to give it to Panarin. You know, they approached him. They said, will you please? It's like a, a bad wedding proposal. Will you marry me? And he's like, no, I'm good. Like kick rocks. And so they, they did try to give out the to see to Panarin and maybe they just don't want to give someone, you know, okay, we tried with um, Panarin. Here you go. You are our second choice. So I'll give them a pass a little bit because the effort was there. The Calgary flames is, is a, it's a little confusing to me because 
Yes, you had Giordano, who was your captain for a long time, and he wore that C well. He was a very good captain. He did everything you wanted a captain to do and more. But, you know, his time is done. Maybe they don't want to rush into anything. But when you're a competitive team like Calgary is, it's nice to have a captain. It's nice to have a guy to say, that's my leader. As a player on a team, yes, you know, it's almost symbolic at this point, but you do want a captain, whether it's talking to the coaches, talking to the GM. If you're a young guy, you're not going to have the chutzpah to go up and talk to the coach. You, you approach the captain first and you say, hey, like I'm having this issue or this is going on. Can you please talk to the coach for me or can you please bring that to the GM? That happens quite a bit. He is your intercessory, intermediary from you to the coach and the coach to the, you know, it's just a guy to kind of bounce ideas off of. And he takes that idea. So you need that. But when you look at their roster, it's like, okay, who do we give this C to? We have a lot of expiring contracts. We have a lot of guys who are RFAs. The obvious choice is Matthew Kachuk, but I think he's proven that maybe he doesn't want to be there. There's constant trade talks with him. He's always, his name is always thrown out there. Every year when I when it ta- when it comes to like trade deadline, is he happy? Is he isn't? The Kachuk name is just perpetually in that washing machine cycle of like being traded. Do I want to be here? Do I not want to be here? You sign only a bridge deal. So who knows where he's going after this season? He is an RFA. Do you want to, you know, throw your C on him for maybe only one year? Johnny Gaudreau's been there a long year, long time. He's gonna be a UFA after this year. Sean Monahan's the A. Michael Backlin are the A. Do they have that kind of aura of a captain to you, Tim? No, no. So it it just goes back to, okay, who's the captain of this team? Who's the leader? And when I look at the roster and I watch the games, the only guy, honestly, who stands out, I'm like, man, this guy seems like he, he's a leader. He, he kind of gives me that impression that he's got control of this team is Andrew Mangiapani. I like him. I really, really do. And he, he works hard. He goes out there. He, he produces offensively. And he just plays the game the right way. He's a young guy. He's only 25 years old. He was drafted by Calgary. So he's going to be a restricted free agent this year. If he re-ups for five, six, seven years, which he should, because he keep an eye on him for Team Canada's Olympic squad. I'm telling you right now, this guy's a good hockey player. He doesn't get any of the due that he's deserved. He's slowly gone about his business. He's a very, very, very quality hockey player. And if you can throw him on your third or fourth line for Canada, or even just bring him as a reserve, you know, he, he won't rock the boat. He won't demand or make, make waves about anything. He's really, he scored a heck of a goal the other day when it was a two on one. He, he received the pass on the outside of his skate, kicked it up to his stick, a backhand over the goalie's shoulder from a really bad angle. It was an amazing goal. But if, if I'm picking the next captain for the Calgary flames, it's Andrew Mangiapani. And I nailed that last name, but I'm terrible with names and I nailed it. So he's my, and you probably don't know anything about him, Tim, because you're a millennial and you just, you know, you want the flashy guy who's going to go out and score 50 goals and just be super sexy and be on all the Victoria's Secrets ads. This guy doesn't score many points. He's a, you know, point every other game. I think the most points he's gotten in the season is 32 last year in 56 games. Not bad, but he's just a good, good hockey player. He was drafted by Calgary. I don't know what round he's even drafted in, but sixth round, he was drafted in the sixth round. So, that's the type of guy that I can get behind. Andrew Mangiapani. Who would you pick on Calgary to be their captain? He's a good one. He's actually got 10 goals already this year. He's lighting the world on fire offensively. He's so. not lighting the world on fire. He's having a vi- – you just over-exaggerate. <laughs> he's lighting the world on fire. <laughs> like, he's, pump the brakes, Tim. Pump them. 
I mean, it's it's still Kachuk for me. Um, and I understand that he could be gone in a season or two, but Matt, Matthews, I think, is still the the heartbeat of this team. I think he's the leader unspokenly. So I think it, he's still the guy for me. Yeah, the issue with Matthew is just his attitude. I really don't like it. I don't like how he presents himself. He just seems like he's too good for anything. You know, the way he chews his mouth, or maybe I'm just looking into things a little too much, but as an outside observer, as a guy who has played the game a little bit, I don't want my captain to have that kind of attitude, that kind of just persona on the ice, off the ice, the way he just carries himself. It would upset me if my, he was named my captain. That's, a, that's the only thing. How about the Flames? What an offseason they have coming up. They have Kachuk, Gaudreau, and Mangiapane, all with expiring contracts. This is the big, this is the big summer for them coming up. Um, agreed. It'll be interesting at the trade deadline what they do with Johnny Gaudreau. That, that's, that's the one, because do you just ride out this season and let him walk because he's going to walk. I, I don't see him re-signing in Calgary for what he's gone through. They don't have much cap space, and they need to re-sign Kachuk, and they're going to try to keep Johnny Gaudreau. The money's not going to be there. He makes 6.75 now. He's going to want to raise. Kachuk makes seven. He's going to want to raise. That's that's what happens. These guys are young. Kachuk's still 23. Gaudreau's 28. Kachuk's going to want a long-term deal. He's, he's going to want a six, seven year deal, making 9 million bucks. Do they give him that? We'll see Johnny Gaudreau. He's going to, he's going to go. So we'll see what um, traveling does at the deadline. Do you, if you're in a playoff position, just keep Johnny Gaudreau and just let him walk at the end of the season. Or do you try to get something from him for him and trade him and then kind of sacrifice your playoff run? That's it's such a hard situation for a GM to be in because do you sacrifice this year? Or do you maximize him and then look towards the future? What would you do in that situation? Because Calgary, they have a good goal in Markstrom. They have a pretty good forward group. They have a good defensive six. What, what do you do knowing that you're not going to re-sign this guy and he has a ton of value where you can get a first rounder and a prospect for a Johnny Gaudreau? Do you think you can for, for a rental player? Because I do. We, we've seen it in years past at, at the deadline. Barkley Gaudreau got a first rounder for Pete's sake. Blake Coleman got a first rounder for Pete's sake. Johnny Gaudreau is a guy you can plug in on your first line, throw him on the left wing, and he's going to produce. I like myself with Johnny Gaudreau. He has scored. He has proven he can score. He's done it on all levels. He consistently puts up a point-per-game pace. He almost had 100 points a few years ago. So he's a good little player. You know what you're getting out of Johnny Gaudreau, and he, he would move the needle and completely shift the playoff series if he is added to a team, the right team, and put in the right situation. So, yes, I think you can get a first-rounder for him and a prospect. Would you make that trade if you're traveling, going into the playoffs with the knowledge that you could win the Stanley Cup with this team? No, you have to keep them. You have to keep them because they haven't had this kind of like success. I mean, again, it's still several months away, but if they're, if they're where they are now in February, you have to keep them for the chance that you can go on a run. They, they should be looking to add up a deadline, not subtract for sure. I agree. A team that um, is definitely not looking to add and should be actively looking to subtract is the Vancouver Canucks. You know, usually around this time, GM start to take stock on their team. We're almost a quarter way through the season, which is 20 games. And that's a good litmus test for where you're going to be. I think there's some kind of stat someone's worked up at Thanksgiving. If you're in a playoff position, there's like a 75% chance you're going to be in that playoff position when the season's over. So it's a pretty good spot to be. Right now, we're, we're almost to that point. 
I'm going to call a few teams out of it completely. And and there's a couple teams that are weren't even in, in it at the beginning. So teams like the Arizona Coyotes, they were never in it. Teams like the Ottawa Senators, even though their GM said, we're, we're done rebuilding. I quoted them earlier this episode. The rebuild is over. They're out of it. You know, they can stick a, stick a fork in those two teams. Chicago Blackhawks, we can dig into them more, but they're done. The Seattle Kraken, I think they're done. I, would you agree with me? Those four teams, Tim, are, are completely out of it. They can just call the season. I would, and I'd be tempted to throw Montreal with those guys as well. I was going to get to them, Tim. Uh, I was going to get to them, but I, I think it's another team we can dig into that we don't really usually talk about them too much as the Vancouver Canucks. We, we talk about expectations. We talk about off-season movement. Vancouver Canucks, Jim Benning went out, and he overdid it this off-season, I think, with, with getting players. I, I feel like two years ago, Vancouver, they turned a lot of heads in the playoffs. It was, it was the first bubble. They went in there, and they just – like Tim likes to say, they set the world on fire. They surprised a lot of people, including myself, Pedersen. That's where he really put a stamp on the league where everyone was like, who is this Pedersen guy? He went out there. He dominated games. He was fun to watch. He, he was a force for the Vancouver Canucks. JT Miller was flying up and down the ice. Brock Besser was scoring goals like it was going out of style. They were a really good team. Bo Horvat was just man-child Bo. So they were a fun team to watch. Coming into last season, everybody was picked picking Vancouver to come out of the West. It, not everybody, but they were a trendy pick. It was them, it was Colorado, it was Vegas. They laid a huge, massive egg. They saw the schedule. They said, we're going to get COVID 15 times and we're not going to play any games and we're going to be complete dog garbage the whole season. And they were, they succeeded in that uh, mentality because they, they had an awful season. Nothing went right. So what, what did the GM do? He said, am I going to break this team apart? Am I going to completely just start all over and scrap everything? He said, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Arizona because they are known to take on terrible contracts. And I'm going to make a deal with them and absolutely fleece them. I'm going to get Connor Garland. I'm going to get Oliver Ekman Larson, who's wanted out of Arizona for a few years now. I'm going to send them some bad contracts, Louis Erickson, and I'm going to give them a draft pick. And that's what they did. They they decided to go for it this year. They saw the weakness in the Pacific and they went for it. And they have been absolutely terrible, Tim, this whole season. Like they have been absolutely terrible. The big holdout, Elias Pettersson, a guy who everyone thought was going to, you know, be the next great thing in Vancouver. Is he from Sweden? Yes. So he was the next great Swede after Henrik and Daniel. He was the guy that were going to, you know, put all their eggs in his basket. And they did. They gave him a big deal. I think he got 22 million over three years. So they, they paid him handsomely. And you know how he, he's rewarded the Vancouver Canucks team? He's gotten three even strength assists this year and zero goals in 14 games. So when we're five on five, this guy's got three points in 14 games. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. We talk about Austin Matthews getting six goals in 13 games, and he's only on pace for 37 goals. This guy's got three assists in 14 games, even strength. He's your guy. I remember you talking about Elias Pettersson, how he was the, the best thing since sliced bread. This is Tim's guy. What is going on? Was he all hype? Was that year just a flash in the pan? What is happening with him? Why is he sucking so bad? I hope not. I hope it wasn't a flash in the pan, but I mean, the team as a whole has been so bad. It seems like there's just something systemically, fundamentally broken about these guys, especially like in the last eight games. Okay. Dating back the last, like, say, 
two weeks. The Canucks have killed only 17 of 31 penalties, just above 50%. And they've scored on only three out of 32 penalties, just below 10%. Like this in power plays, I mean. Like this is, they're not scoring even strength. They're not scoring on the power play. They're not stopping on the penalty kill. Uh, I don't know. It, on paper, these guys should be really good. Like I love the addition they made. They have a good core. I don't know what's wrong with them. So you're telling me they have a bad power play, a bad penalty kill. They can't score five on five and they're losing. Oh my goodness. I wonder why I don't know what it is about Vancouver. I really don't. And their GM is in a tough spot. Jim Benning. He, it must just drive him crazy. Much like Kyle Dubas just must drive him crazy because it's like, okay, I give you guys all these tools. I, I go out and I get a Connor Garland, who's a very good player. Not a lot of people know about him because he was stuck in Arizona for a long time, but he's a very good player. You can move him around the lineup. He's, he's a good player. I go out, I get you another offensively minded defenseman, all of Reckman Larson. We already had Quinn Hughes, who was just a one track. Go, go, go. I'm going all offense all the time. We got Tyler Myers. Who's a very gifted offensive player defenseman they're they're gonna get back um hominick soon they they have all of these good defensemen i i go out i re-sign thatcher demko who's a good goalie he must just be banging his head on the wall it's like what what more do i have to give you guys to succeed you want money hughes you want money Pedersen? i'll give you your money i will cave to your demands and then you go out and you perform like this i don't know where to where i would go if i'm him i have zero cap space available we are spending at the limit and it, we still have guys on LTIR. Like, I, there's nothing we can do to, to change this group. Brock Besser is going to be an RFA this year. He's like, are, are we going to re-sign him? I have locked up all my core guys for another few years. It's a bad look for Vancouver and it has nothing to do with their GM. It has nothing to do with their president or their owner. They have done everything they can to, to make this team successful. And now it's on the players. I really, truly believe that. I usually don't side with the, the GM or the ownership group. They have underperformed to epic, epic amounts. And I said it earlier, Elias Peterson, I don't like him. When he made that comment about, I want to go where I, I want to go where I know I'm going to win or whatever. He made those comments while he was negotiating a contract. I don't trust him. I don't like him as a player on my team. I would have ran as far away as fast as I could away from that guy. And he's proving it right now. He doesn't seem like he's interested. He's not the same player that he was even last year. And he had a decent year last year, but this guy, he is going to be a train wreck for this team. I don't think he has any heart. I don't think he has any backbone. And if I'm bending, I'm like, what do I do? Do I trade this guy? He still has a lot of value. I am calling GMs and try to trade this guy because he has shown me nothing, but he's looking out for number one. And maybe that's, that's okay in these, this day and age. That's what these guys do. They look out for themselves. But he, he's not a team guy. I'm getting rid of him. I'm building my team around Bo, Bo Horvat, and I'm moving on. I like Bo Horvat. I think he's a good player. I think he's a solid guy. He's a good captain. And I would put all my chips in his basket before I even entertained talking about Elias Pettersson. I don't like the kid. And that comment he made earlier this season or earlier this offseason just made it way worse. And I know he's your guy. But he's just, he's shown me nothing but a guy who doesn't care about the team. And I'm glad he's not scoring goals because he deserves it. He's a, not a very good teammate. I don't like him. Don't, what else do you want to say about your Vancouver Canucks tip? Uh, not much to follow up on all of that. I hope they start winning. I hope they turn it around. 
but yeah, it's not looking like it. It's too bad. It really is too bad. When you look at the last few years, the outlier is the playoffs when they caught fire and played well in the bubble. That's the outlier. The norm seems to be they're an underperforming team who can't win games. That's the norm now. That is the Vancouver Canucks. So that that team that was exciting to watch, Quinn Hughes and Pedersen and those guys ripping up and down the ice and surprising teams and winning a playoff round and this and that, and very fun to watch. That is not the norm. So this is the Vancouver Canucks we have now. For all the talent, for all the money we've spent, this is the Vancouver Canucks. That's their team. So there's no way they can change it. This is this is the the bell that they brought to the ball. This is who their their dance partner is, all these players, and they just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to win. So I don't know. Another team that's in the same situation as the Vancouver Canucks is the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I'm going to stick a fork in the Canadiens, even though last week I think I said they still have a chance. They have gone out and just laid an egg a few games, and they look terrible. They look absolutely terrible. Carey Price is still a huge question mark on him. Jake Allen got hurt the other day versus Detroit when they lost in overtime. They don't play good hockey. They really don't. They have stretches where they look really good, where they're you know pressuring the off uh, in the offensive zone. They're buzzing. They're getting shots. They look like a really really good team, and then they get a penalty, and then it just all unravels. Then they pick it up again, and they're all over the team. This and that, and then they don't um, put the puck in the net. When your top forwards don't score, it, it's it's really glaring. And lately, the only goals Montreal have been getting is from the bottom six. So like. Joel Army is scoring. Evans is scoring. Where are their top six forwards? Where are the guys that we went out and we picked up in the offseason or we drafted or we signed or this and that or we traded for you? Where are you? Where's Toffoli? Where's Suzuki? Where's Anderson? Where's Gallagher? Where's Dvorak? Where are these guys? They're nowhere to be found. The guys who are putting the pucks in the net are Armia, the Evans, the Lykanins, the Brooks. He's been playing well. He's a fourth-line center for Pete's sake. That can't be your guy, Tim. It can't. So I'm sticking a fork in Montreal. I'm sorry. They're done. There's no way they can come back from this. No, even if Carey Price comes back and he is an MVP and wins the Vez and all this and that, they are too far back. That division is too strong. They've dug themselves too big of a hole and they're done. They are absolutely done. When you look at their injured list, yes, it's a lot. They've, they've had a tough time with injuries. Duran's been out. Paquette's, I don't think he's played a game. We all know about Shea Weber and Byron and Price and Perot's been out and Mike Hoffman's out. They have a laundry list of guys on the IR. They, it doesn't, they still have enough talent to win games. They still can't seem to do it. So I don't know if it's the coach. We really dug into it earlier, but it's time to stick a fork in the Montreal Canadiens. They are done. They do have pieces they can move. So if I'm Bergevin, I'm starting to play the phones right now. I'm asking GMs what they want, what I can get for these guys. It might be pennies on the dollar. They might not be able to get any value from them. But what you are getting is you're getting these guys off your books and you're moving on. I'm trying to trade a Josh Anderson. I'm trying to trade a Brendan Gallagher. I'm trying to trade all of these guys who make deals. Maybe not a Josh Anderson. I kind of like him, but get out from Gallagher Get away from all these guys, Tyler Toffoli. Maybe I'm getting rid of him. He hasn't performed that well. David Savard, who I thought was going to take over Shea Weber. I'm shopping him aggressively. He hasn't been playing well in Montreal. So you're, you're trying to free up cap space to just reload next year because they do have some good pieces. It just isn't working this year. It isn't working at all. And you have to start thinking next year. Well, the challenge with them is that they have a lot of contracts that aren't that tradable or at least aren't that desirable. Like in their forward group, the only expiring contracts they have is Arturi Lakin, who's who's solid. You know, he's a bottom six forward, probably. Mm-hmm. 
Pizzetta, who's a rookie. I mean, like Gallagher, Anderson, six more years each. Hoffman, three. Dvorak, four. Toffoli, three. Armia, four. You know what I mean? Suzuki, you know, they wouldn't trade him anyway, but he's still nine years. And on the defense, it's pretty much the same thing other than Sherrod's got one year left. So I would imagine he's someone who does get shots. He's a pretty attractable piece who can log those heavy minutes. We saw that last year. Romanov's a guy that they want to build around. So he's an expiring contract, but they're not going to give him away. So it's just like... What, like you said, it's going to be pennies on the dollar for someone to take it to Foley or, or a Hoffman or something like that. Yeah, at this stage in the game, though, with the salary cap where it is, with it being flat, there'll be a slight increase next year, I would imagine. But you, you have to trade away. And there will be teams who would like to take a Josh Anderson and a Mike Hoffman. They are good NHL players, and they're still relatively young. Anderson, I think, is only 27 years old. So it's, um, it, it would be a little difficult. You might have to package it with a pick, but it's doable. And to gain that cap flexibility, what cripples them is Shea Weber and Carey Price. Those two contracts are so massively big. They're hard to move around when you have those big contracts on your books and you have to be flexible and find ways to gain money. And if you can do that by getting rid of Gallagher is the big contract. If they can somehow shop him, he's got a no move clause. So it's, it's going to be difficult, but if you can convince Brendan Gallagher to waive that no trade clause and get him off the books because he makes 6.5 right now and he's still one, two, three, four, he's still under contract for six more years. So boy, oh boy, it's going to be tough sledding. I don't see Mark Bergeron lasting the year. I think they get rid of DeHarnay, the coach, pretty soon, which isn't going to help anything. If anything, they should have traded him or got rid of him two weeks ago and tried to you know switch to culture then. Bergevin won't last this season. I think they get rid of him in a few months, if not a month, to kind of queue up the next GM so he can handle the trade deadline, so he can handle the draft and everything. But stick a fork in Montreal, Tim. They are absolutely done. They're a bad hockey team. Cole Caulfield, they sent him down to the minors to find a scoring touch. He's got one goal in four games. That one goal was like a, a miracle goal from the goal line. Like he, like he always likes to do is shoot the puck on the goal line at the net, which is a very bad move. It might look great. I know um, Larkin had a couple goals like this last game, and they look great when they go in. Most of the time, they don't go in. They hit the glass, and the other team's breaking out the other way. It's a bad hockey play to, to throw the puck on the net from that angle. It's a good hockey play to throw the puck on the net if you're at the top of the circles because you could potentially get a rebound and you have a better angle on the goalie. Nine times out of ten, that play is a terrible play. The puck goes over the goalie's head, and it wraps around, and you're gone the other way. So... He did score one goal, but he's looked very ineffective in Laval. All the reports are he's just not being the dominant player like they thought he was going to be going down to Laval. That's what you want out of Cole Caulfield. You send him down, he gains his confidence, he just lights up the AHL, and he comes back up, and he's he's the player he was last year in the playoffs. But that's not what's happening. So if I'm Montreal, I just leave him down there. Give him power play time. Let him skate around on the first line. Let him be the best player and maybe bring him up at the end of the season or in a couple months or so. But right now he has done nothing to merit a call up to the Montreal Canadiens. So, all right, Tim, last Agreed. thing, you absolutely embarrassed yourself last week, picking the Edmonton Oilers over the Buffalo Sabres. And I cautioned you on this before we went on the air, because we talk about stuff and we're like, okay, we're going to do the points back, Tim. This is our new sponsor. You got to bring your A game. And he goes, I'm going to pick a safe bet Edmonton Oilers. I said, Buffalo has been playing well. They're a, they're a hard out these days, so be cautious. And throughout that game, I sent Tim a, a, a number of texts. Most of them were, uh-oh, <laughs> Buffalo's keeping it close, and uh-oh, Buffalo's winning, and oh, no, Buffalo won. Now it's time to redeem yourself, Tim. 
This is round two of points bet. So take it away. My, my master gambler, Tim Wurzberger, is going to spread some knowledge on our listeners right now. Yeah, my first official inaugural pick was not good. I'm here to redeem myself, and I'm going with an underdog, actually. It's a little bit of a risky pick. I'm picking Detroit plus 110 over the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. I like Detroit. I like their game. I see them winning easily, so I got Detroit tonight for sure. Bet your mortgage on it. Don't, don't, don't do that. Um, I'm not going to comment. I hope you... I hope it, I hope it pays off. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what does that mean? If you bet a hundred dollars on Detroit, you win $210. Correct. All right. Columbus is a good team and this is a straight up win loss. Yep. Is this going to be a situation where it's a George Costanza type deal where we just do the opposite of you and win every time? <laughs> that sounds like a funny episode, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it could be, but I'm here I to, hope- I'm here to redeem myself. I hope it's not. So go to points bet. It's a great gambling site. Check it out and bet whatever you want. But I guess Detroit has been playing well. I'll give you that. Bet your kids college fund on Detroit plus one ten. Easy. Jokes on you. I don't have a kid's college fund. (laughs) Sorry, kids. All right, everybody. Well, I'm glad everybody is listening. We had a few good um, emails and messages from fans. I want to give a shout out to, Pavel Giralicki, he sent me a nice message, Tim. It was it was very nice. He said, you got a listener here in Poland, which, by the way, I love Poland. I'm a big Poland fan. I love the way they run their country. They're very pro-family, pro-everything. Pro so I'm a very pro-Poland person. And he just he wanted to give He sent a nice, nice, long email to us. It was very, very kind. He said, I love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. He gave us a couple tips, a couple show ideas, which you might take up on him but take him up on, but yes, thank you. Pavel Giralicki. Keep, keep uh, sending all the messages. Everybody we read them all. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all the support and hope you guys had a good weekend and have a good start to your week. And we'll talk to you on Wednesdays. Cheers. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.